morning, everybody. Not often you get a round of applause for giving the announcement, so that was very nice of you. Um, I have something straight from uh, Time Magazine this past uh, week. Here's what it says. Human history is often defined by its very worst pitch meetings. Take the one in 1812 when one of Napoleon's general, generals told the great emperor, I've got an idea. Let's invade Russia in the winter. Or the one in 1985 when the anonymous product developer at Coca-Cola said, how about we take a product everyone loves, quit making it, replace it with a different formula no one's asking for. What could go wrong with that? So too it must have gone in the executive suites of Toys R Us when someone made the compelling case for stocking a brand new line of action figures based on the wildly successful Breaking Bad series. There he is, Walter White himself. Now check this out. Listen to this. After all, nothing quite says holiday shopping like a bendable, fully costumed figurine of Walter White, the murderous chemistry teacher turned crystal meth manufacturer and Jesse Pinkman, his former student and current bag man. And you want accessories? We've got accessories for you, including a duffel bag stuffed with imaginary cash and a plastic bag of, yes, you guessed it, faux crystal meth for white. Pinkman, Pinkman comes with a gas mask because the folks at Toys R Us are not the kind to forget about corporate responsibility. If your kids are going to grow up to run a meth lab, it's never too early to teach them basic safety. Okay, so Breaking Bad is wildly successful. It's incredibly popular. But selling action figures of Walter White and Jesse Pinkman with crystal meth and gas masks to make it to kids at Toys R Us, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And what I want to talk about this morning is there are things that are wildly popular in our world. Wildly popular. Here's how you find love. Here's how you go about finding love. And they're incredibly popular. There's just one little problem with them. They don't work. They don't work. And what we want to talk about today is what works. Like in a marriage, what actually is proven, studied, proven to work in a marriage? And instead of us ignoring it, we want to move towards it. So what we've tried to do in the four weeks of this series, we tried to combine together the spiritual with the practical. Everything that we've talked about in this series is proven through long studies, existing studies. Here's what works. We've talked about all kinds of stuff, and today we're going to get about as practical and simple as we possibly can get. We're going to give you 15. I know it seems like a lot, but these are so mundane, simple. They work in our life, and we will put them into practice. So we're going to read the first six verses of Ruth chapter 3, the, the book that we've been studying, and just consider some of the practical things that happens here. It says, one day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, my daughter, I must find a home for you. Will you be well provided for? Now Boaz, whose, uh, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he'll be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, look how practical this is. Wash, put on perfume, studied to work, the smell. Put on perfume, get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor. But don't let him know that you're there. Until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he's lying and then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He's going to tell you what to do. I'll do whatever you say, Ruth answered. 
So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. Let's stop there. Let me tell you how the rest of the story goes. And when the story began, we saw that Naomi's husband decided to go to Moab. What is Moab? Does anybody remember what the name Moab means? means who's your daddy. That's what it means. So it means that they're putting, the name actually means that. It means I'm putting my trust, not in God, I'm putting my trust in something else. I'm putting my trust. I'm putting myself in myself or some other place, but I'm not putting my trust in God. I'm leaving to go up above. Naomi didn't make that decision. For some of us in our lives, somebody else has made a decision that's led to pain for us. Okay? And that's what happened for Naomi. Her husband made this decision. They went. Uh, they have two sons. Both sons get married. What happens is, is Naomi's husband dies, which leaves her in a terrible predicament. We can't even begin to understand the situation she was. We can't understand how vulnerable she was, how much jeopardy she was, how defenseless she was. Okay, she's in a terrible, terrible situation. Her two sons had married Moabite women, Moabitess. They married these women. The both sons die, and now Naomi's got two daughters-in-law, and they've got nothing. They're unprotected. It's total, without getting into all of it, I want to tell you, you could never tell me a situation as hopeless as the situation that these three women were in. It was utter hopelessness that they were in. And Naomi, as we said, was very bitter about it, so they decide to go back to Bethlehem, to the land of Israel, which meant that they were moving back to trust in God. And so as they're heading back that way, Naomi, who is so bitter and so empty, she turns to her two daughters-in-law and she says, look, just go back to it. Go back to worshiping your idols. Don't trust God. So the one person who knew about God says to the other two girls who know nothing about God, go back. And she urges them to go back. And how the whole story ends is that they meet this person named Boaz. And he's, he is the symbol of a rescuer. And so as I just read you right here, Naomi says to her daughter, go down to the threshing floor and do all these things, these practical things. And how the whole thing ends out is this. Check this out. This is amazing. Ruth, this despised Moabite woman who had nothing to hope in, God is working behind the scenes because God has a great plan for her life. And Boaz ends up marrying her. They have a wonderful marriage. But think about this. She, Ruth, was in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ down the line was born through Ruth. Here's what I want to tell you this morning. Here's the one thing. I'm going to give you all kinds of stuff to think about, but here's the one thing you need to know. God has a great plan for your life. That's why we have the story of the book in this book called Ruth. That's why we have the Bible, because God wants to remind every single one of us this morning that God has a great plan for every single person in this room for your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, as we go through this material today, this really practical things about what promotes passion, what makes a marriage work, what is it that speaks to a man? What is it that speaks to a woman? What ha- God, as we go through this, remind us over and over again of this one thing, that God, you have a great plan for our lives. Some of us have come in here today believing that. Some of us have come in here today not believing that at all. And we need that reminder that every single one of us, you love every one of us individually. And individually, God, you have a great plan for our lives. Let us capture a vision this morning of what that great plan might be. In Christ's name, amen. We have three couples who are going to help us this morning. They're going to give us just briefly a little bit of their story about how God worked in their life spiritually and practically. Would you help me to welcome on the stage uh, these couples? Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
Okay, so they're going to bring together for you real quickly the spiritual and the practical and what they did in their own lives. So first, this is Dave and Jenny Bogdan. So here's my first question. Did you all pray about your desire to get married? Yes. Yes, of course. Okay. Now, how long did you pray? I mean, were you like praying for weeks, months, a couple years? How, how long did that take for you? Over 20 years. In my case, over 25. 20, 25 years. Okay. So just a bit of encouragement. Maybe if you've been praying for a couple weeks or months. Five years. Keep going. <laughs> How did you pray? Was there anything specific about prayer that you prayed for? The change came for me that final year. I decided to humble myself and ask for prayer and make that a determination that... I wouldn't just go one time, but I would continually go to people that I knew that prayed, and and I have a need. I want my husband to come into my life this year. Mm. That was the that was the turnaround for me. You committed yourself to asking people to pray with you about that, which a lot of people are very. I hear this all the time. Very very reluctant. Well, it's a do. little humiliating to be in a position of need. No one's chosen you. You're, you're looking like something's wrong with you. So to go and to put it out there on the table, I need, I desire, and nothing ha is happening. Please help me. That, that was what it took for me. Anything to add to that, Dave? Yeah, at the beginning of 2009, the same year Jenny was praying that, I was separately praying that God would make it very clear to me whether he wanted me to remain a contented single individual for the glory of God or have this desire and have this desire taken away to be married or lead me to the person that he wanted me to marry so very specific prayer okay excellent so you're passionately praying about this now let's uh, let's marry in so to speak the practical where did you meet we met online through eHarmony. Jenny and I just lived miles apart, but it took eHarmony to get us together. And uh, then within a few months, actually four months after meeting, we were married. Uh, were you... Were you... <laughs> yeah. That's a whole other discussion, okay? Uh, were you reluctant to do the online thing? Yes, friends had suggested for years, why don't you try it? And I thought, that's not me. I'm Every not time I saw my mom, have you, have you thought of eHarmony? No, mom. Yeah. It's going to be a miracle, not yeah. the computer. Yeah. <laughs> gonna be, this is very good. So you married together again. Where's the number one place in America everybody defined love according to the studies? We talked about it. Where's number, who knows it? Church. Church is number one according to the studies to find love in America. Number two? Blind date, blind date. Number three, online, online. And there is a great reluctance about doing it. So your first date was down in Georgetown? Yeah, we took a walk along the CNO Canal and then went to a restaurant. Okay, and, and because I know the story, you had some people... Spying on us. Yes. <laughs> friends, of, friends of Jenny in case... Yeah, just, just in case I was an axe murderer. Yes, so... <laughs> this, uh, thank you. For, a big round of applause, Dave and Jenny. Uh, David and Heather Noble, were you also praying about marriage? Yes, I was. Absolutely. Okay. Now, is there anything specific about the way you prayed? Is there anything that you did about praying? 
Well, I had some things posted up on my wall in my bedroom that I was praying for, and one of those things was for my spouse. And I also had a list that I kept in my journal of some very specific characteristics that I wanted that person to have. Okay, this is so. So you got very specific, and you, you said you hung it up on your your on wall. The wall okay, bedroom. Jenny didn't didn't share this, but she also made a poster of just about life and put it up on your wall. This is listen to this, very very specific and praying specifically. That so you I mean that's that's important. Um, I said this in uh, first service, but there was a there was a, a woman. Uh, in church, she told a story this many years ago that very specific in her prayers. She went out to the store. She bought uh, a pair of men's jeans, and she hung them on the foot of her bed. And she said, "God, I've hung these jeans on the foot of my bed. Fill them with a man, okay?" <laughs> and she was up on stage to tell everybody that God did. God had filled them with a man. So there was a guy sitting in the audience. There was a young guy sitting in the audience. He said, "This is awesome." So immediately left church, went to the mall, and went to a bikini shop and bought this smoking hot bikini. And he hung it on the foot of the bed. Yes. All right. All right. So this this gets even better. So now they're praying. Now they're praying. Now, where? Listen to this. This is awesome. Where did you meet? Where? Just tell us, please. We met at church. At church. Yeah. <laughs> Number one place in America to find love. So you're looking for love in a good place, unless you're with your spouse, and that's not good. But anyway. But get a little more specific. Well, we were uh, Heather and I. We were serving um, a Valentine's Day uh, dinner to the married couples, uh, and it just so happened we were talking and we're conversing and um, after a while we began to talk and after a while um, I said you know hey would you like a lot would you like a ride home and she said no <laughs> playing hard to get absolutely yeah. your side of the story well I said no because I didn't really know him and I just wanted to make sure that he was okay I was trying not to end up on the evening news <laughs> and uh <laughs> I had a friend who had been going to church there a lot longer than I have, and she said that he was fine. And he was also, like, taking home a little old lady. So I got in, but I made sure they dropped me off first. (laughs) (laughs) And happily ever after. Look, before we move on to Brian and Kelly, I've got to say this. I hope that you heard what was just said. They were going to church in Maryland, up in Maryland, right? And so their church, their pastor said, we want to do a Valentine's dinner for all the married couples. Ready? And we want all you single people to come in and to serve them dinner, okay? And they went in, all the single people, and served the married couple's dinner. And they met each other and fell in love and got married. Now, listen, listen. What do you think would happen to me? <laughs> hey, you got it already, sister. <laughs> if I asked all the single people in this room, listen, I want you all to show up, right? Because you got nothing else to do, right? Oh, yeah. And serve, the, and serve all married people dinner. I know exactly what happened. They said, hey, John, we see there's a little extra room uh, on that cross next to Jesus. We think we, we think we can fit you right up there real quick. Okay, Brian and Kelly down on the other end. Here we go. Say hello to Brian and Kelly. Hi. Okay, what about you guys? Were you praying about this deal? Uh, not really. <laughs> um... I was, I was very reluctant to pray about a future spouse because I was burned in college and dating for me was a constant reminder of being rejected for how God designed me. And I didn't think that was right. And so it was just hard for me. So 
I just kind of did my thing. I devoted myself to things that I enjoy to do. I surrounded myself with some great people who actually helped out a lot with that, some women here at this church, and Pastor John, who said, you know, I think that this is something that's important. And there was a time where Pastor John and I were sitting, and we were talking about the worship team and my service to Grace, and he felt very strongly to pray for my future spouse. And I said, uh, that's not on task. <laughs> I'm like, uh, no, 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 no. I was like, we can pray about the worship team and maybe my service and things like that. But I did not want to pray about my future spouse. So uh, Kelly made that sound really nice. So I went, so here's, <laughs> Kelly is from D- Detroit yep. and uh, is a real fireball. So when we were meeting to talk about, you know, gifts and spiritual gifts and working and music team for some out of nowhere this thing hit me this only happened to me four or five times in my life but it hit me strong and i like hey i know that we're talking about music and stuff but i just want to tell you i really feel like we need to stop right now and pray about you getting married and she did not react well to that uh at all i like, was pretty angry detroit, actually <laughs> detroit came out like big time and we went around and around for like five or ten minutes about this. And I, I stood my ground only because I felt so strongly about it. And she sat on that couch and we had a pretty uh, vigorous engagement. But we ended up praying. She agreed to it. She wasn't happy. Kind of gritted her teeth through it. And we prayed. We prayed, didn't we? Yes, now, we let's go to this guy. Yeah. Chuck Norris. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's how I got the girl, I guess. Yeah. Uh, no, my story is a little bit different. Um, I, I went through a divorce a couple of years ago, and um, that was a devastating thing in my life. And um, I felt, when I was going through that, I felt like I was going to be alone for the rest of my life. And so I spent a lot of time on the prayer wall over there just crying and praying about that because I just felt so lonely. In fact, I volunteered here to set up in the morning. I would come to first service, come to second service, just because I didn't want to be alone. So <clears throat> that's kind of how, how I was going through that. And then... And then Something changed, but I'll wait till you ask me that question. So, but yeah, so I spent I spent a lot of time praying. Okay. So wall. before before we move on to that, here's what I found was so fascinating. So Brian would come to my office and we pray about this, and there'd be tears, and he'd sit on this green couch at my office, and that's the same green couch that Kelly sat on, which we arm wrestled about should we even pray about getting married. And I had no idea. I had no idea about what was getting ready to happen. Some of you have no idea what God's getting ready to do in your life. I had no idea what God was going to do in their life. And when I had the privilege of officiating their wedding this summer, I tell you what, it was a very emotional experience for me, what God what God did. Okay? So, um, Kelly had mentioned a minute ago, you went up while she was waiting. This is super important, everybody. While Kelly was waiting, she went out and just did a ton of stuff that she loved to do. And you know why that's so important? Because you have a much better chance of finding the love of your life if you're active. And she did stuff she loved to do. And you know what happened? She ended up bumping into somebody who also loved to do similar things, similar values, similar love, similar interests. Met him. So tell us about that. How did you guys eventually get together? Because it's a good story. Oh, yeah. So I, 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 was, I went home a couple Christmases ago and just told my family, look, my ex-wife's not coming back, so I'm going to move on. And so, you know, I came that first Sunday back to church. I remember I had seen Kelly around here. I, I'll never forget this because she came to church one Sunday a while ago, uh, and she wore she was wearing a skort. She had a backpack with a tennis racket sticking out of the back, and she was wearing bike shoes with that click when she walks, and she walked across that 
uh, entryway out there. And I was like, who is that weirdo? And so, <laughs> who comes to church like that, right? So, uh, so anyway, that first Sunday back after Christmas, I uh, came up on stage here, and I, I knew that she drove a Jeep, and, so I, and I was interested in buying a Jeep or marrying into one. And so I... Uh, <laughs> Watch, there's a great pickup line. Listen, go so ahead. I, I, so, so I came up and I said, hey, I'd like to just ask you about your Jeep. And so we did. We talked right up here on stage uh, after church one Sunday. And it was a great conversation. And I asked, I said, hey, do you, do you guys, does the worst team ever go to lunch? And Kelly's like, oh, yeah, we go to lunch. And I was like, well, can I go? I never go to lunch with yeah. the worship team. <laughs> I had to make that happen. <laughs> so we went to lunch. And then I'll, I'll never forget, I'll just say, I'll just say, I'll just say there's one last little line that she said. Because we were talking about things that we, she liked to do. And like to hike and she, she looked at me and she goes you know I don't know what your level of physical fitness is but you know we, I like to hike and, and I was like what are you kidding me I was like alright it's on so our first date me. was to old rag I was like alright you know, everybody there's a tremendous amount of good stuff just happened right here you see you know he pursued Kelly like so you see somebody you like up on stage you know hey man just jump up uh, <laughs> guy, you know, so guys, you're going to take note of that. And for ladies, you, look what she did to him. Like, right off the bat, she challenged his manhood. And he, <laughs> he was completely hooked then. Like, you can't keep up with me at old rag. Yeah, that was a, okay, how about a big round of applause? It was great. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, we're going to set up uh, a table here because we're going to do a brief demonstration. We're going to go through some things that are just so simple and so practical. You're going to say, hey, John, there's just no way that that works. But I'm going to tell you, this is, a, this is a long study that's been been done, and these things are proven to work. Matter of fact, the study, when they did this, they found that these five things for the wife to do and these five things for a husband to do, you know, that promote passion, that these five things were so staggeringly high, staggeringly high, that they ended up in the study, a very long-term study about relationships, they ended up calling them the Fantastic Five. So what I'm going to tell you is, this isn't my opinion. Here are things that absolutely are proven to work in relationships. And so we're going to try to make sense of that for you here very uh, briefly, if we can. You know, I've, some of you have, uh, as I do, you have... Um, refrigerators, you know, that have the ice in the door along with the water. So I have that on, on mine. And the thing that bothers me ab about it is all the deposits, ca calcium deposits, because ours is black and, all, and it shows the white. And I, uh, I tried to get it off. I remember one day I had a, a screwdriver in my hand. I was trying to get it off, and I didn't want to scratch it, but it wasn't coming off. And I went and dug through a bunch of stuff in the house, thought it would take it off. Nothing took it off. Went to Hope Depot, got all these things. And finally one day it hit me. You know, you have the answer in your pocket. Like, the whole world is on your phone. So I just, like, went on there, Googled, you know, how do you get this off? And it said this. Watch this. White vinegar. Well, white vinegar is like two feet from my refrigerator. All I had to do was turn and pick. And I said, this is too simple. I mean, in order for something to really work, you got to throw a lot of money at it, right? You got to throw a lot of money. You really want something to work great, to be awesome, you got to throw a bunch of money at it. And so I said, this ain't going to work. And so I, I took the white vinegar and just one wipe, and presto, it was like magic. I want to tell you about five magical things. So uh, you want to make sure uh, that she has a pen in her hand. If you're next to a she, make sure she has a pen in her hand. Here we give you five things that work. And it's just so fascinating that the five things, the magical five, the fantastic five, fantastic five, that a guy says he really wants his wife to do for him or his girlfriend wants to do for him, um, they're all about speaking. 
Women sometimes get a bad rap. Oh, you know, you're so verbal. You talk, talk, talk. You know what? The thing that he wants from you, actually all five of them are things that you say. So here we go. The first thing you say is say thank you. Say thank you. So they did a long-term study on relationships, on, on marriages specifically. They did a long-term study on marriages. And they looked at thriving marriages. Marriages like, whoa, they're just absolutely great. And you know what? They came up with this common denominator. They said the wives and the majority of these incredibly thriving marriages tend to, on a regular basis, say thank you. Thank you for mowing the lawn. Thank you for taking the trash out. Thank you for folding the laundry. Thank you for doing the dishes. Here's the thing. Our passion, which is represented by the red food uh, color water there, right? Okay, so some of you, your passion today, I mean, it's okay. It's not here where it used to be, not way up the top, but it's down there. You still have some. Some of you, it's like way, way down there, and some of you have more. But I want to tell you how, no matter where you are on this deal, how you can get it all the way to the top again. So if you're a wife and you say, thank you, thank you, honey, for whatever you did, that menial task, thank you. It puts more passion, more love in your tank. Here's the second thing that is so simple. You say to him, you did a really great job. You know, I saw that you did this, you know, uh, in your work or whatever. I just want to tell you, you did a really great job on that. Do you know, listen to this, did you know this, that a man's greatest desire in life is to do something well? And as a wife, if you say to him, hey, I just want to tell you, you did that thing really well. Let's just say hypothetically, okay, everybody, real quick, right? Hypothetically, let's just say hypothetically, you're married to a preacher, right? And <laughs> and maybe you don't like like 98% of what he preaches about or something. Let's just say, just, okay. But 2%, it was like a 15 second little blip in the message that that was really great. You could say, you know, let's call him John. Hey, John. <laughs> That 15 second, that one line, that was all great job, great job. So just do that. It means the man, a man's greatest desire is to do something well. Say, hey, you did a great job. Okay, here's the third thing. So important. Say, hey, everybody, look at what my guy did. So now you've told him he did a great job one-on-one. But, you know, the holidays are coming up, Christmas parties and family gatherings and Thanksgiving and stuff, rather than saying, you know, as you're standing around the table or in the kitchen somewhere saying, you know what, a... We'll use John again. You know what, what a bonehead mistake that John made on something, right? You could say, hey, everybody, I want to tell you about what my husband did, what my guy did. And you lift him up publicly. Look, look, he might say, you say to him later, hey, did you know, that mean anything to you? You might say, oh, no, it didn't. It's okay. You don't have to do that anymore. He's lying. He's lying. He's lying. He's lying. I don't care how he reacts. And guys, you do need to react because this is what you really want. You do need. I'm going to tell you that right now. You need to react. But you just need to keep moving forward because these are proven, 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 proven to work. Okay, here's number four. Number four thing that you say, you know, to your husband, say to him, you set me on fire. I mean, you set me on fire. Little whisper in his ear. Hey, baby, I just, whoa. Or a text, you know, when are you coming home tonight, Superman? Something like that. You know, email, I, I just, I want to rip your clothes off. So he, I tell you, he loves it. Say that to him. It's Fantastic Five. This is what works, okay? Loves it. Can't get enough of it. All right, number five, final thing that you do. Oh, my goodness, I forgot to pour this in. <laughs> that was dumb. Okay, so what were the, what were the points? <laughs> hey, <laughs> you did a great job with that sermon, idiot. You forgot to pour this. 
You forgot the whole stupid demonstration, but I still, hey, everybody, see what my husband did? <laughs> Bonehead. I know. Woo, set me on fire. There we go. All right. <laughs> Amen. This is the last week of this series. <laughs> okay. All right. Number five, final thing for the wives to do. Okay. Listen up. You make me very happy when you say to your husband, I am so proud to be your wife. I'm so proud to be your wife. Man, it just fills his passion love tank up and it's just getting higher and higher. Okay. Now, uh, let's pass the pens over to the men. Because we got five things, the fantastic five for the guys to do. All right, you're going to think, wow, is that possible? Simple as this. Hold her hand. That's too simple to work, isn't it? Hold her hand. Remember when, like, love was just bursting? It's like a Rome, your love was like a Roman candle. Do you recall that you held hands all the time? Okay, hold, hold her hand. It's proven to work. That's what she wants. Simple. You can do that, can't you? Right? You're sitting next to your spouse right now. Grab her hand. Okay, hold her hand. This is what happens. Here's what happens. Hold her hand. Boom. Right up there. Number two. Number two. Send her text. Send, now, let me clarify. Let me see what you want to put on that text real quick. <laughs> real quick. I just want to be really clear. Just don't ever send the text. Hey, baby, want to rip your clothes off. Don't. Just don't do that. The, te the text that you and the emails and the phone calls and notes and cards you want to send are things like, miss you, love you, can't wait to be with you again never any of the fire stuff. Leave that all to her, okay? Just focus on... Trust me. Focus on what I'm telling you, okay? Miss you, love you, can't be... You know, you're just an awesome wife. Can't wait to see you again. Do that. Number three, put your arm around you. So all of you are holding hands. Take a leg over hand. Put your arm around her, okay? This is proven to work. This is what she wants. Put your arm around her. It's like you saying, you know, she's mine, and I am just thrilled that she is mine. Put your arm around her. Proven to work. So simple. It's like white vinegar. We just had a couple just kiss right here. I didn't say kiss. I said put your arm around her. <laughs> All right. Number, number four. Tell her she is beautiful and do so as often as possible. Hey. Did I tell you it works or what, man? Did I, did I tell you it works? Okay. Okay. Hey, baby, I just want to tell you you look fabulous today. Let me tell you, you look fabulous today. So uh, do that. Final thing is this. Look, you might, you might not have ever guessed this one, but it's Fantastic Five. Pull yourself out of a bad mood as quickly and as soon as possible. So what wives say is that when their husbands, right, when, when he's kind of like mm, just, you know, just down, a little bit heavy or whatever, Man, it just really wears on them. They immediately think that there's something wrong with the relationships. And they want to see. So when you see her, right, you want to be happy. Or if, if you're heavy, you've got to pull yourself out of a bad mood as quickly as possible and bring that energy and that joy. You remember when you first met and you were just, oh, like a happy little puppy. Here's your goal. Here's your goal. When you, when you see her, like at the end of the day, you see her, you guys have both come back. You want to beat the dog. You want to beat the dog. I don't mean beat the dog, like kick the dog. 
you want to you want to be happier than the dog. The little puppy is a seer. You know how the puppy wags the, the dumb dog wags the tail and is all happy. You want to be happier than the dog is to see your wife at the end of the day. Am I right, wives? You want to like whoa, man! So just joy filling your heart. And you know what happens? This is what happens, man. That tank. So you started and you were low on passion. Those fantastic five. So simple. Every single one of us can do it. Don't mistake. Something has to be big or whatever to be powerful. Here's what happens. This is what happens. Okay, there's the Fantastic Five. Now, just as a parting shot, I want to give you five passion promoters in general that both husbands and wives do. So this is, this is both sides, or, or you, could u- you definitely can use these in your, as your search for love. You can use these in your dating life, okay? Here is just straight up, everybody, five passion promoters. Promoters. Okay, here we go. Number one, and we, you're going to say we talked about this already. And you're, I'm going to say you're right, but it needs to be reminded because I asked in week two how many of our husbands did this and not one hand went up in the place. I told you, you want to reignite love in a marriage? Do something new. And so I said in the second week how many husbands did something new? Not one hand went up. So I'm not going to ask today. So I'm just reminding you, this is proven to work. This promotes passion. Start something new. Now look, here's Washingtonian Magazine. Isn't it so cool? They must have known that we were going to be doing this Breaking Bad series because in September, right before we began it, they ran this on the cover. And what does it say in their edition? It says, learn something new. 87 cool classes you can take in Washington, D.C. 87. Like, there, you have no excuse. You could be doing new stuff for the next five years with 87 classes. You want to do something new. Number two, surprise each other. You want to add mystery. Everybody, I hope you recognize, as I read the Ruth passage about the threshing floor and the barley, there is, please read the book. It's only four chapters to it. There is so much mystery there. And that romantic scene, a tremendous amount of mystery. You want to add some mystery to your romance because it's a passion promoter. Number three, add some adrenaline. Do something that gets your adrenaline pumping. Did you know, everybody, this is a proven fact, that people in happy relationships, people in thriving marriages, not surviving marriages, but thriving marriages are more physically active. Do something that gets your adrenaline pumping. We had an event. We had it on Columbus Day weekend. It was the very worst time to actually do this event. And I've barely mentioned it, barely mentioned it. We got together with all the singles. We just said after church on that Sunday, just meet us at Ted's. We had 60 singles show up that day. And as I'm sitting around the table with my group of 10 and we're eating lunch, I just said, Randall, says, hey, tell me what a great date looks like. And you know what they all said? Immediately shot back, rock climbing. Well, that's an adrenaline pumper. That's adre- adrenaline. You got to do something. You know, to this day, look at me. Look how old I am. To this day, my wife, Krista, likes me to chase her. Like physically, ch- physically chase her around, whether it's at a playground somewhere or in the house. Can you imagine how stupid I feel? I'm running around the house, chasing. Things are falling, breaking all over the place. She loves it. She, and I feel like a fool, but she, and it adds a lot of adrenaline. So do something that pumps up the adrenaline. Number, number four, passion promoter, touch more. Did you know that more touching leads to more passion? It is a proven fact. The Bible talks about it and studies talk about it. Touch, 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 touch more. And number five, and finally, please get out of the house. Get out of the house. Look, look. A home spells rest. 
to a man. Man comes home, everything shuts down, boom, spells rest. What does a home spell to a woman? Yes, work, stress. What are you thinking about? What's on your mind, right? Cooking, cleaning, bills, kids, on and on and on and on it goes, right? A man's brain is like a computer with one window running. And when he gets home, he thinks about shutting that window down. When a woman gets home, there's 20 windows running, right, on her brain. And so when the, when the husband says to the wife, hey, baby, you want to get lucky, right? She's like, are you crazy? All these things go there. So get out of the house. This is proven to work. Look, again, you don't have to put a lot of money at this. Don't. Actually, if you throw a bunch of money at this, you will undermine the power of it. Go on a picnic, a cheap picnic at a free park somewhere and look at each other in the eye and say, hey, how are we doing? How, how's things going with you? How did you feel about this? Those important questions. And then just listen and connect. It helps her to shut those windows down and then you might get lucky later on, okay? So, so you want to get out of the house. Now, I want to show you this video clip. And as I show you this video clip, look, the video clip that I'm going to show you is from the second biggest money-making movie of all time. So don't don't just watch it, just don't experience it. I want you to analyze it and think about all the things we went through and see how many you can pick out in this very brief clip. Here we go. Hello, Jack. I changed my mind. Give me your hand. Now close your eyes. Go on. Step up. Now hold on to the railing. Keep your eyes closed. Don't pee. I'm not. We'll stop before they get too carried away. Um, <laughs> just real quick, what did you, what'd you catch there? And the things that we've talked about, what, did, what happened? The, holding hands. Adrenaline, right? Right? Mystery. Surprise. 
arm around, right? Kissing, I know I didn't have it in the list, but that could go on the list. How about this? So what I wrote down is they were doing something new. <laughs> Somebody in the first service got this. They got out of the house, obviously. <laughs> okay. okay. Holding hands, put the arm around. There's mystery, close your eyes. It's adrenaline rush. How about this? Did you catch this? He says, do you trust me? Remember what we talked about last week? husband wants to be the one and only. He wants to be special. He wants to be the only. You're the only man in the world to me. It means so much. And he says, do you trust me? What's he saying? Do you trust me? You trust me more than that stupid jerk you're engaged to who's incredibly rich, right? And what does she say back? I trust you. I trust you. Implement these proven practices. I want to close with this. This will just take me a second, but... This is what God's really put on my heart here to say as we close this out. God has a great plan for your life. God has a great plan for every single person's life here. And that plan is established by two things. Passionate prayer and proven practices. It's not established just because you prayed. right? You heard what the couple said. I prayed and I went online. I prayed and I went to church. It's established by passionate prayer and proven practice. Your passionate prayer. Ruth is headed back with Naomi. Naomi is the godly one. Naomi is the one that knows all about God and she is so bitter, rightfully so. She's so empty. She's, God made me empty. God's made me bitter. God's done this to me. And she turns and looks at Ruth and says, go back and worship your idols. Go away from God. Turn your back on God. And Ruth passionately and persistently pursues God. She goes in God's direction. Never give up. Never, ever, ever give up. She ends up, she couldn't have known this, everybody. She gets married to Boaz and she is in the lineage of the Savior of the universe, Jesus Christ. God has a great plan. For some of you, you've made bad decisions or somebody's made a bad decision for you and you're like, man, there's no hope. I want you to know there is hope. There's hope for you in your marriage. There's hope for you in your search for love. And for those of us who maybe we just never want to get married at all, you got to know God has a great plan for you too. I said this before. Jesus was single. He was fairly spiritual. So was Paul. God has a plan for you. Proven practices. Do not get caught up in pop culture. Don't get caught up with the breaking bads of the world. So you know what? Everybody else is doing this. My question to you, does it work? Everything that we have presented you in the last four weeks is proven to work. The Bible says it, and all the studies back it up. God has a plan for every single person in this room. I spent the last week in Guatemala, and the whole time I'm there, seeing some children in some really hopeless situations. I'm like, God, what do you have what do you want to say? What does all this mean? God said, you know what? I got a plan for these kids. I said, God, what do you want me to say when I come back to conclude the Breaking Bad series? And John, I want you to say this one thing, and everybody's got to know it. I have a plan. That's the one thing I want you to leave with at the end of this series right now today. I want you to leave with knowing that God has a plan. And it's a great one. It'll blow your doors off. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for every person in this room. Each person is very, very special. Lord, remind us, like right now, let it burst forth by the power of your spirit in this room, in our minds, that you have an amazing plan for every single person. For those of us in this room, who we long to find that divine match, that love of our lives, God, would you give us strength and courage that you have a plan for us. For those of us in this room whose marriages are are being stressed and bent to the point that we don't know if we can get the passion back, would you remind us that you have a plan? God, fill us with your hope. By the power of your spirit at work, fill us with your hope. In Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.